0: Good day, Fellowship family. It's great to have you with us. And hasn't it been a good day so far? It's supposed to be 74 in the middle of February. What is happening? I'm all for this type of Kansas warming. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for taking some time. Hey, before I begin, I want to just make you aware of a survey that all the elders have asked me to just tell you about because we want to listen. We want to hear what God is doing in your hearts. As we redefine the term and the lifestyle called generosity. So many churches just measure generosity by, by what you do in here and what you give in here. And we really, we really think God is larger than just our church. And so we want to hear what God is doing, not just in here, but outside of here and around, uh, our lives. And so, uh, this is a survey that will help us kind of get a grid on where you're at as a church family. And so it will really help us. How many of you have the app, the Fellowship Bible app? Put up those hands proudly. Yes, okay. If you don't have this app, you need to download it, and you can download it now. It's Just search FBC Topeka on either the App Store or the Google Play Store, and you'll get the FBC app. And once you load that app, you'll just go over to that that top or bottom little uh, menu area there to, to connect. And once you press connect you'll get the fellowship survey. Just click on that, and then you'll get a picture of my generosity story survey. And what we're really looking at in this, in this survey is the investment of your time, your energy, your finances, wherever you're at in that area. All of this is anonymous, so tell us where you're at, not where you want to be. Okay, you know how you make those if you know you're known on this you fill it out so that people will be impressed No, one's gonna be impressed <laughs> Just let us know but be honest on it and I really need every one of you to do it So how many of you will do it? How many of you don't want to do it but you'll do it just because you like me <laughs> Thank you Okay Whatever your motive. I just need you to do this. We don't ask for this every week This is something we do once or twice a year, but we really need to hear from you as we uh, Develop a series on this. We need to know where you're at Thank you for doing that Another thing I just wanted to call your attention to is I do know that you have a red sticky note on your worship program, okay? And um, so I know about that. I just wanted to let you know we're gonna get to it so, all right, now let's move on, okay. Hey, we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at the way of life that Jesus calls us out of one way of life into his way of life. And uh, I don't know about you, but in my own life, I have uh, really been encouraged through this. I've been growing through this. I've moved on a lot of these topics that Jesus, these are the hard sayings of Jesus. He's moved me from fear to to want, not want to talk about him, to really faith and trusting him. Because here's what I've seen. I've seen God moving in you. God is moving in our church. He's drawing people away from the pattern of this world and into a way of life with him. And I think that's really awesome. And I want to thank you for being here. I know you have a lot of different options in your week, but to make this one of the first and best things you do is to lift up the name of Jesus with your church family and then look to him to lead us. Man, this is an awesome opportunity for all of us to grow. Now, I want to talk to you about a topic today about uh, that, that probably has a lot of emotion wrapped up in it. And that is the concept of revenge. When someone wrongs you, when someone offends you, what's your response? Some of us are withholders. And when we're hurt or offended or frustrated with someone, we withhold love. We withhold attention. We withhold a response because in our own way, and many of us are quiet and that's how we work. um, We're just like, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to say anything bad or I just, that's it. They're out. I'm just, I don't care about them anymore. And we, we disconnect from people, from problems, from conflict. How many of you are with older? Okay. Others of us are people who are expressive. When we're hurt, when we're offended, we just take to the words, right? And, and we express with our language or we express on Facebook and all of us are like, did you just see what they wrote? And we're like, whoa, they're angry. Or uh, some of us even throw things, which isn't a great deal. But how many of you are an expressor and would admit, admit it at church on a Sunday morning? Okay. So what is it within us that when we get hurt, when we get offended, we want to get even? And I think there's a, there's a concept of justice in our hearts. There's a, con, uh, there's, there's a concept that we want to get back the wrong that was committed against us. Here's the problem with getting even. Getting even with others will always keep me at odds with God. And Jesus is going to show us that there's a better way than revenge. We're in Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 43. Open up there. Hopefully you have a Bible. If you don't, there's one in the back or on the sides. And uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, this is our gift to you. But if you do have a Bible, just leave it on your way out so, so, so we can give it to someone else. Matthew 5, beginning with verse 43. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is saying this in between two great statements one is you need to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect And the other one is unless you have a righteousness, which is matthew five twenty, Unless you have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the pharisees You will never enter the kingdom of heaven So between those two are a call out number one We need jesus to give us his righteousness because we can't get it on our own None of us every one of us falls short of perfection Uh, secondly, though, once we have the righteousness of god through christ in our lives We're called to actually reflect more of jesus to make our lives more about jesus than about ourselves And it's a way out of selfishness. It's a way out of the pattern of this world Into his way and and it's a righteous good loving authentic way to live The key verse in here is verse 44 Jesus re-crafts how we're to treat our enemies and those who persecute us. What do we do? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's a hard saying, isn't it? Why did Jesus say this? Well, I believe he he wants good. He wants good. And for the good of our heart, he calls us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Now, when you're angry with someone, when someone offends you, When someone takes something from you, it's really easy for your physical heart to kind of rise in blood pressure and, and heart rate and you kind of get angry and then your mind starts getting, you know, trying to process it. Why did they say that? What did I ever do to deserve that? And then, and then you start planning. How will I get, well, I'm not going to talk to them until they do this, this, and this. I'm not going to talk to them. We form the plan. All that energy kind of weighs on our heart. But what about another heart? What about our spiritual heart? Our relationship with God? Jesus will say, and we're going to look at this next week in Matthew 6, 15. He says, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That's a stark. What does he mean by that stark statement? The answer is, if you're so bent on getting revenge, that that you are out to get that other person and you're planning away. Guess what it does? It clouds your mind. It clouds your heart to even see your need for forgiveness. I believe that every time you ask for forgiveness, it's good to just look inward and look for a repentant heart that looks to, to forgive as you've been forgiven. And, and if we're so bent on getting revenge, it weighs our heart down with God. Secondly, for the good of those around me. Did you realize that revenge leaks? If it's in your life, you show people how to get revenge by how you take revenge, especially if you've got little ones around the house. That's why if you're, you know, if your kid gets hauled into the principal's office for saying a word and the kid goes, well, my dad said that word at home. And you're like, whoa, sorry about, yeah, it affects those people around you. anger. Leaks. Uh, Romans, in, in Romans chapter 12, Paul says this Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The key operative there is all, in the sight of all, and live peaceably with all. That means everyone. Everyone. People you like, people you don't like. We're called to live in an honorable way and in a peaceful way. With all. I was uh, in a car with uh, some friends and we were headed to Kansas City and we were headed right, going right uh, on eastbound on Highway 70, just about to hit the downtown area, and there was the slow person in the left lane. You know who I'm talking about? Okay, just so that everybody knows Christians who are driving slower, we always go in the right lane, right? Because we're always observant of people around us. And we understand someone needs to get to work faster. So we move over and we go, bless you as you go to work, okay? This person did not change. And so we were kind of going, well, what's going on here? And in this case, it was a woman. It's not always a woman, okay? But we no sooner said, boy, I wish she would get over when this guy just came screaming down the right side of us. And he came in and he saw the loop and he took it and he you just see the car jamming on the accelerator and he swerved over and he smashed the front of her car because he's turned too early and that pushed her car into the concrete median and the other side of her car was just all scraped up and everything goes slow motion and we can't believe what's happening and and then he took off even further and i said get him And we were all elders, and I didn't think that would be good, you know, vigilantes of justice on the front page of the Topeka Capital Journal. (sighs) When you drive with rage, when you drive with revenge, it affects everyone around you. When you live with that, think about all the lives you bump up on next to, all the lives you do damage with, and then you just pre-Google fast because people that's, that's where people are at. The good of those around us, for the good of my heart, for the good of those around me, for the good even of our enemy, this is where Jesus makes the difference. He asks us to think about his perspective. He asks us to think about what he's doing in their lives. I love Romans 12. Paul ought to know, right? He was once someone who persecuted the church. So he was one that we were called to perse- pray for those who persecute you. He says this, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, by the way, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Boy, I needed to hear that because when I take out revenge, what am I doing? I am stepping into the shoes of God. Those are pretty big shoes to fill. I'm saying when I take act out in revenge, I could do this better than God. And you know what? No one does better. No one does better in loving people, in forgiving people, in judging people, in being righteous, in being holy than God himself. And God is at work even in our enemies. We need to realize that the difference, the difference a Christian makes is with not necessarily people who agree with them or or, uh, believe everything they believe. The difference of a follower of Jesus is how they handle themselves when someone doesn't agree with them, when someone does rub rub up against them and offends them. We're called to be people of peace. We're called to be people who restore with our enemies, who pray for those who persecute us. But then there's also the good of society. Matthew 5, verses 45, Jesus says this. He, being God, makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the just. Did you ever think of it that way? Sometimes as a follower of Jesus, I think, man, Jesus, just thank you for this beautiful day. This is all for me. Thank you. I'm so thankful for it. And we can be thankful for that. But it's not just for you. We have a good God. God. He's good to those who are following him, and he's good to those who are not following him. He's good to those who believe in him, and he's good to those who don't believe in him. And he does this to show even people when they don't open up the word, when they look around, especially on a 74-degree day in February, we've got a good God. Now, if it were snowing, I wouldn't have used this illustration. (laughs) But today we can say it's a good day, and God is good. And so we're called to be people who think about the world we're in right now and make a positive difference. And the one way, a key way that's transformative in our lives is how we handle ourselves when we're offended. We believe that when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you give up the right to get even. You give up this right to to reflect a higher value. It's the value of grace. Grace. How can we make Topeka a better place? It's how we handle ourselves when we're disappointed or hurt by each other. And then finally, and I stair-step this, I think this is the number one reason for the glory of Christ, right? To make Jesus greater. Peter says this, if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps When you love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you you become more like jesus You actually feel what jesus felt when he walked this earth when he was crucified when he was rejected when he was offended And we follow in his steps. And actually, this is really a a non-negotiable. We're not suggested. We're called into this. For this, you've been called to endure, to suffer for righteousness sake. It's the good of society. It's the glory of Christ. So how? How do you love your enemy? One of our reading uh, passages this week was in Romans 12. And And Paul says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you do that? How do I overcome evil with good? Well, let me give you a quick illustration. You have, you have, and the word that I'm going to use is grace. This is a grace word we're so thankful for. Remember that sticky note I put on your worship program? Take that out right now. Everyone get one of these, put it right in front of you. Here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to write your name. If I were to do this, I'd just put Joe, okay? That's my name. So write your name on the front of it. Because here's what I want you to think about when it comes to grace. Before you think about getting even, before you think about that person who, you, who offended you, who hurt you, who took something from you, I want you to just think about where did you stand with God? Because without Jesus, Paul develops this argument in Ephesians chapter two. This is how he describes who we all were without Jesus. We were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were enemies of God. We were following the course of this world. We lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and our minds. And we're by nature. This is the big thing. We were children of wrath. It's kind of like Paul saying, you, your name was on God's list to give wrath, but now we have righteousness. Something happened, right? Something happened. We were once the recipients of God's judgment, of God's wrath, but something changed. We were once enemies of God, But now we're his children. What happened? Was it something we did? No. Look at the next verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says this. But God. Everything I have is because there was my life, but God decided to go on a different route. Uh, My life was accountable to a righteous, holy God. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead to him, even in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. For for grace, you have been saved. Here's what I want you to do. Right under your name, but God. Everything you have is because God gave it to you. You once were his target for wrath, but now you have his righteousness. You were once an alien, rejected. Now you're accepted as heirs, sons in the royal family because of God. Everything we have is because God moved us from an enemy to his children. That's what grace is what you have. None of us deserve it, but all of us can have it because of, of the work and the person of Jesus Christ in our lives. Here's what I want you to do with this. I want you to put this in a place where you're most likely this week going to be angry or offended. Some of you watch news and you get ticked off about what's happening. Put it on the television. (laughs) Joe, but God. Yeah. So when you're about to react, when you're about to act out, you'll be reminded you are a person who God has given grace If you are a rage warrior in your car or motorcycle, and we know we have some of those around here, put this on your dashboard. So it reminds you of that. If you're struggling with a spouse, just put it right on their forehead. (laughs) Before your kids go off to school, pat them on the back with it, you know? What's your mom's doing with butt God on there? Yeah, well, it's how we're loving our kids today. No, use this, put this in a place that it will remind you of where you stand with it. Your standing with God is not related to your works, it's related to his grace. And it's that grace that you received that will teach you how to respond to those who offend you, those who are your enemies, those who persecute you. So we have the motivation of grace, but we also have a plan and it's a peace plan. Remember going back to this verse? If possible, so far as it depends on you, and I like that because there's things that don't depend on me, and it's usually others' reactions. It's others' responses, but what I can depend on, what I can trust, what I can take that step out in faith, I can control, which is me. I'm called to live at peace with all. Lee Strobel did a message on this very passage, and I heard it several years ago, and I loved how how he used an acronym in the word peace, and it helps me pursue a plan with someone I'm struggling with. And so each one of those letters in the word peace has a word attached to it. The first one, the P of peace, is pray for them. You know, when someone's offended you, when someone hurts you, when someone uh, creates uh, an act against you, the last thing you want to do is pray for them. Well, actually, sometimes I've done, I've prayed, God, get them, amen. <laughs> but that's not the right motivation, right? Um, pray for them a prayer you would like someone to pray for you. Who's at odds with you? God, I am struggling with this person but you've given me grace. Give me grace. I need more of your grace. I need more of your love for this person. They are a difficult person to love right now. Lord, bless their family. Bless the work of their hands wherever they're working today. Bless their life. Show them a greater picture of you. Be very careful you're not trying to get revenge in your prayer. And bless them through that. It says in Matthew 5, again, love your enemies and pray for those who, who persecute you. Why did why does Jesus call us into that? Cuz prayer prayer is powerful. God listens to prayer. God responds to prayer. As his child, he loves to give good gifts to his children who ask. And love instead of revenge, prayer instead of, you know, cursing out is a direction God loves to be asked that prayer. So pray that prayer to him. He loves to answer that. But here's another thing. Prayer melts my heart. With people I'm angry with, the more I pray for them, the more my heart melts with them. You want to keep someone your enemy? Don't pray for them. <laughs> you want to start? You want to do a behind-the-scene act that makes a huge transformation in your life and in theirs? It melts your heart. And I believe in God that He melts their heart through prayer. Pray. Secondly, empathize with them. Empathy, uh, as, as James says, uh, when it comes to a, uh, using your tongue, and sometimes we can say a sharp word when we're offended and get revenge with our words, but James says in James three nine about the tongue, he says, with our tongues we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That last phrase I want to kind of develop here, because everyone is made in the likeness of God everyone, people who are like you and people who are not like you. From God's perspective, we are made in the likeness or the image of God with worth, with dignity, with value, with significance. Think about the issues they're going on in their lives right now. Think about what might be driving your boss to be short with you or wanting more out of you. Maybe his boss or her boss is is a higher up who's focused on quarterly results at the expense of everything long-term and the pressure that they're facing is causing them to be short with you. Well, maybe something's happening in the background of your child that's causing you to be really frustrated but you don't know about yet. What, What questions can you ask to find out where they're at? to understand why they're acting like this. You don't know. I didn't know what just happened in the life of that slow-driving left-lane driver in front of us. Maybe she just had huge news that put her through shock and she was just trying to make it through her day. But when we empathize, it's something that happens even in our minds. Our minds redirect the focus. Before, if I'm angry at someone, want to get even, I think the worst of them. I want the worst for them. I'm writing a story and it's usually where they're the villain and I'm the victim. And that's all negative processing going off that. People are made in the image of God. They're not, we're not here to think the worst of them. We're called in to empathize and to treat them with worth and dignity, even our enemies, even those who are out to get us. And then the A is to act first. What I think about this is, is that it's, it's, it's the person who resolves to be first to resolve the conflict. Not the last. Especially if you're a withholder, hear me on this. Because the withholder says, until they do this, and then that, and then that, and, and then this, and it's always usually more than the original offense, until they do that, I'm not talking to them, I don't need them, I don't care about them. And we're called to act. We're called to act. Look again. Romans twelve fourteen. Bless. Bless those who persecute you. Bless. There's that word again. And do not curse them. I think that's really good for us to hear. We're called not to be the last to respond, but the first to respond. A while back, I heard of how uh, someone, a pastor here in town, uh, criticized me. And it had to do with an idea that I was sharing for outreach that a whole bunch of churches could be involved in. And uh, he said it behind my back, but he said it to someone else who quoted him and misquoted him. And it came to me, and the first thought I had was, man, I was hurt. And then I got angry, and then I even went competitive with it. I went, okay, well, who are they? That doesn't matter. We don't need them. Let's just move on. And as I spent some time in prayer and I spent some time in God's word, I just had to, I had to, God kind of gave my own preaching to me. And you may not realize this, but every week when I preach to you, I'm preaching to myself. So God said, you really believe this stuff about the church in Topeka, don't you? You really believe that it's not just Fellowship Bible Church in Topeka, that it's all the churches who who preach the scriptures and believe the gospel and call people to Christ. That's the church. It's not a church. It's the church that when God looks down from heaven, he sees everyone who calls on his name in Topeka. It's not just us. So if that's true, Joe, he's your brother. And if that's true, he's your co-laborer in Christ. If that's true, this should not divide you. Go to him. So I went to him and I said, hey, I heard this. And um, I was kind of hurt by it. And that's why I'm here. Because you're my brother. We serve the same church in Topeka. And I don't want this to divide us. And he looked down. He said, yeah, I did say that. And here's why. The way you presented that thing, it sounded like it was your deal or your, your idea or it was the highway. And you presented with so much passion. I realized I had to go back. I had to convince a group of elders who probably weren't really excited about this. And I, and I was going to be the one I felt I had to push this through. There's so much pressure. I just got fed up and I didn't want to do it. I said, man, I am so sorry I presented it in such a way that I communicated that to you. And it actually taught me about how I share an idea. And it actually encouraged me, I mean, through that time, and, and I forgave him, he forgave me. We, we, we became brothers through this. We became better friends through this. We bless that church. We have been in loads of partnerships with that church. And it's been a great joy, but it required me to act first. Because if I wouldn't, I would have built the story, and that church would have been the villain story, right? God had far too much to teach me. It even humbled me. And right now, I don't present a lot of ideas to other churches. I listen for other churches to come and bring an idea that we can be a part of as we have loads of different partnerships in the city with different ministries. But he required me to act first. What might it look like for you to act first? At the earliest time for you to resolve with someone who's offended you, what do you have to lose? Here's what you have to lose. Revenge, selfishness, hurt, brokenness, competition, anger, animosity. You have all that to lose. Don't you want to lose those things? Be the person who acts first. And then see. confess your part. Confess your part. Again, I love James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There is a value when we are confessing to each other. Instead the the pattern of this world is look at me. Look at my awesome kids Look at my awesome car. Look at my new house. Look at my new kitchen. Look at my new flooring We do that all on our posts, don't we? But what about if we confess? See nothing breaks down the the urge to get revenge then someone says this i'm sorry I Was wrong and you go but yes, there's always that but but God, <laughs> but God in your life. And, uh, you know, in every marriage, there's always, there's always that act committed by one that takes the marriage over the waterfall. But before that act, there's a whole bunch of little actions. And I know it in my own marriage. I'm responsible for my part. And something changes the heart of my spouse when I say, I'm sorry, I was insensitive. I, was not, I didn't listen to you. I didn't. I didn't value your words or your your time with me. That makes a huge difference. Before I went to seminary, my brother took me on a fishing trip trip all the way up to the Arctic Circle, and um, it was so far north that the sun never set in the middle of the summer. If you know what I'm talking about. And so we were up there, and I, we went with two of his friends, and they were believers. They were a lot of fun to be with, and we were there for a whole week. And we'd spend the whole day fishing. We were catching fish like crazy. And then one night, as uh, it got quiet, we were in this small little cabin. And uh, at, at night, I heard them talking on the other room. And this is what I thought I heard. Why is Joe going, into the, going to be a pastor? He's the last guy I think could make it in ministry. And when I heard that, I put my ear up to that little thin wall. And all I heard was, yep, yep. And then it went, they went to bed. And I was really, I got hurt and I was angry and I was praying that they wouldn't catch fish the next day. <laughs> And I was, you know, the next morning, I withheld love. There was this place open around the table next to them, and I went to the other area. You're not going to get me today, you know. I did that kind of thing, and, and I wasn't as joyful around them. I didn't laugh at their jokes a whole lot, and I kept it with me until we got on the plane, right before we got on the plane to go back home. And I said, hey, man, um, I heard what you said about me three nights ago, and it's really bothered me. He said, what did I say about you? He said, well, you said, why is Joe going to be a pastor? He's the last guy I would think could make it in the ministry. Do you remember? I memorized that. I'm, why? Because I kept saying it to myself. Okay? We do that, don't we? We focus on what's been said about us, and it just rots in us. He said, really? Here's what I said. He said, I'm glad Joe's going to be a pastor. I can't think of a better guy for the ministry. Oh, oh, the hollow walls of a cabin. Oh, the insecurity within my heart. Oh, the offensive nature that I can live my life. And so I just confess, man, I am so Sorry. I totally misinterpreted this. I was ready to get even with you, and the reason you didn't catch any fish the last three days is because I (laughs) prayed against that, and I do have the power to do that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So I'm in the ministry, right? No. (laughs) No, I had to back up, and you know what he said, even man. Thank you for asking. Thanks for asking that. It just showed me, Joe. Learn this lesson: what you think you hear might not actually be reality. And if you're building revenge, you're shooting at targets all over the place. Confess your part. And then finally, E is empathize, emulate Christ. And I know emulate's not a word we use a lot, but it hangs with the word peace, right? But it means to reflect Christ. Going back to First Peter, First Peter two twenty one. For this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So what are the steps of Jesus? What did he do to his enemies? He loved them. What did he do to those who persecuted him? He prayed for them. What do we get for Jesus on the cross? God, get them! No, we don't. We get, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so we are called to follow that Jesus. I love what John Stott, who wrote in the book, The Cross of Christ, wrote this. He said, If the cruel torture of crucifixion could not silence our Lord's prayer for his enemies, then what pain, what pride, what prejudice could justify the silencing of ours? Answer, nothing. Nothing can. Pray for them. Empathize with them. Act. Confess your part emulate Christ. At the end of your life, what do you want it to be about? All the offenses you had, all the opportunity you had to get to, to get even. What do you want your kids, what do you want to pass on, the legacy to your kids? This is how dad got even. This is what my parents did. That's what, We'll do this. They catch that and they repeat that because we need a better plan. We need a peace plan, a personal peace plan. And it's found being motivated by grace and acting in peace with all. By the way, those two words were words that were transformational for Paul. And he wrote all of his letters. If you read his letters in the New Testament, you see grace and peace. Motivated by grace, acting in peace. Church, that's who we're to be. Balancing those grace and peace when we're offended. Everyone grab your your sticky note now. And and just hold it up. Hold it up so that everyone can see it. Okay. Okay. This just think about what god can do here Because around this room is represented by relationships and since you held this up I'm going to just take your word. You're going to follow jesus with grace and and peace this week You can put it down now think about just in this room. How many people Will be affected by how you act out when they offend you When you're frustrated how many people around you will be influenced when you choose grace and peace? Don't you think God wants to change your life? He wants to change your family. He wants to change your city. He wants to change the heart of your enemy. He wants to bring glory to Jesus, his son. I think he does. Let's pray. And Father, you know the people. You know the circumstances of everyone here who's been wounded or hurt by an enemy or persecuted. And and Lord, we trust you. We thank you that in our own lives, you did not keep us children of wrath, but we have been children of righteousness through Jesus Christ. May his grace, may his peace pour through this church and out into every relationship represented in this room. As you scatter us in just a few minutes, you're going to scatter the goodness and the grace and the truth of Jesus in this city called Topeka. Use us today. Help us to reflect the beauty and the glory and the grace and the peace of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.